What's going on, guys? I'm your host, Omar Zini, and welcome to the Life Through Sport podcast, where I sit down with current and former players and coaches to discuss how their experiences in sports have come to shape their lives. In today's episode, we sit down with professional goalkeeper Abraham Romero, who most recently made 21 appearances for LAFC affiliate the Las Vegas Lights of the USL. Early in this episode, you'll hear about how Abraham was first discovered by the youth national teams of both the United States and Mexico. He ultimately decided to choose to play for Mexico, where he would go on to represent them at both the U-17 and U-20 World Cups, playing in every minute of both tournaments. These performances would land him a contract with Liga MX side Pachuca. Abraham goes on to detail the downside of moving to Mexico and living on his own at just 17 years old. Combat that loneliness because I, I did feel very lonely in Mexico. I had my own place had my own car i'm 17 I have, i'm living in a house by myself three beds like it's just like there's no point yeah you wake up and the house actually feels cold because there's just no one in there it's just freezing and you're by yourself for better or for worse these are the moments that have shaped abraham's life and have helped him become the goalkeeper and man that he is today and with all that being said thanks again for listening to the life through sport podcast i'm omar zini and let's get to the episode how are you doing i'm doing good man you I'm doing okay. How's the off season looking so far for you? Uh, first week, I took it fully off. I didn't do anything um, outside of eat and nap. Okay. <laughs> then I started getting back into it, putting in a little bit of work in the gym, uh, going to play some futsal, you know, just basic off season stuff. Yeah, I think for everybody who's listening or even watching on YouTube now, Abraham and I, we worked together this season at Las Vegas Lights, LAFC, and we just finished the season. So I know people are like, wow, this is what an off season looks like for a pro. No, but it's more so I think the first few weeks you're just kind of taking off because it was a pretty rigorous season. Yeah, it was it was a long season. It was probably one of the tougher seasons I've been a part of just because uh the travel. Yeah. Obviously, you had to bear with us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not having a home game all season kind of was tough. But, yeah, it was we just finished. And like you said, after the season ends, you just want to take some time to yourself, kind of just reconnect with the family you know touch base and just slow down a little bit i think people who again are very unfamiliar with the las vegas light situation with lafc we have a partnership with them and the idea was all the personnel the players and everything they live in la everything's handled through here so i mean you're from from la so that's probably a good situation but for us we'd have to travel the day before a game so friday we bus four hours to vegas we chill for a few minutes in the uh, team room and then from there we go to training after that, we have dinner as a team. Everyone has their nightcap, do whatever they need to do. The next day, wake up, team stuff, and then we have the game at 7, finish the game, and as soon as the game is done, have a little quick dinner, and then bust straight back, get home at 3 in the morning. And this is like, this is every single week. And again, I did it, this is my second year doing it, so I mean, if I have back pain in a few years, I, a sciatic, I don't know, I know where it's coming from. But as a player, I mean, did you know what you are getting yourself into? <sighs> So I, I knew what I was getting myself into. They didn't not, they didn't not tell me. They told me that we were gonna have a tough travel situation that every weekend was gonna be an away game. Um if I'm be quite honest, from what I was told and what I understood was that last year you guys took the bus and this year we were gonna start flying. So it was gonna be a thirty minute flight. They roped you flight. in. They roped you in. So um they lied. Uh <laughs> but yeah, it was it was an interesting season. Uh sleep schedule was fully off the day after the game you go to sleep saturday morning 3 a.m or no sunday morning 3 a.m you don't wake up until two in the afternoon then you eat your first meal at two which is breakfast uh you eat lunch and then you're up the next morning until one because you fell asleep at three the next day but 
it was it was a learning experience for sure uh, adversity was common yeah. Uh, throughout the whole season <laughs> and i think we did well with it for for what we had um i think we did very well like coaching staff and players i think again our head coach was very like no excuses make sure everything is uh, accounted for and at the end of the day no one's going to feel sorry for us so pick your head up go play and then recover the way you need to and i would say a lot of the young guys had to mature as well um in the sense of the, the recovery and stuff like that uh for us though you and i was our first time in like a working environment, working together. I think I had heard your name over the past years and I think we'll get into your past and all that, but I had heard about you. And then obviously, you know, knowing that you were at Orange County and knowing the situation that was there where I think the German guy was there, he was the start of the majority of the season. I didn't know what we were getting. Where, where was your head at coming into this season? And again, with us in this partnership, not knowing, cause we know we have the first team set up. So situation with the third goalkeeper for the first team how that was all going to be so what was your what was your mind at coming into the season well just to touch on the our head coach Enrique I think he actually did a really good job with that um because I think that just translates to everything in like life and football and understanding that no one ever feels sorry for you yeah. whatever you have and whatever you're given you kind of just got to deal with it and you got to play the hat the the hand you're dealt and that's that's what we did and um yeah coming into the season i i had a lot in mind thinking oh like i was going to be the number one and i was going to play and then in the beginning of the season it didn't turn out to be that way uh they told me sure yeah yeah <laughs> when he says you guys i'm, I'm a part of oh, that yeah omar's thrown in there so <laughs> um yeah so i i understand i had a, an understanding that i was going to be playing the majority of the games and I wasn't really informed that the third string from the first team was going to come down. So when I found that out, it was a little disappointing. But I think something that's been common in my professional career so far is whatever you're told, it usually doesn't work out that way. So just kind of <laughs> just roll with it, like roll with the punches and figure it out and just go in day in and day out and just try to put in the work you have to put yeah. in. I think the day in and day out stuff is, is super important because I think in the preseason, and I think a lot of older coaches who have had the experience in the USL, the MLS, Premier League and stuff, they'll tell me, it's like, yeah, you can have all these plans. You can have all these ideas of you want to get the guys. Uh, you, Yeah, you can get them better for sure. But honing in on the details the day before a game is maybe not the best use of your time because you don't want to infiltrate the goalkeeper's mind and make them feel as though they're insecure about certain things just because as a coach, you want to insert yourself. So I think early in the preseason, from a training perspective, I think it was still rather new for you, uh, for you and I in terms of just the way, I mean, how you want to be coached and the coaching points that I was trying to make. And on your end as well of like, just trust me, dude. Like I, I, I know what I'm doing. So I think for us, from your the working relationship, how did you feel going on? Give me your early, we talked about it before, but like your interpretation of me, and I'll give you my, or what is it, the interpretation, but your first, uh, yeah, I guess introduction to each other. All right, so my introduction to you and how I saw you in the beginning, I was like, okay, I have a young goalkeeper coach. Also, I came in with the mentality, like just try to be as open as possible as you can mm -hmm. with everything. Because I think that was something that I struggled with when I was younger. Just being very closed off and thinking I I knew more if the guy didn't have um, played in the Premier League for 10 years and has this extensive background, like he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. That's kind of the mentality I had when I was younger. 
and as I got older and talking to those guys at that level and then talking to guys that that didn't get to play at that level for X, Y, or Z, um, a lot of the time the guys that didn't get there or didn't have the possibility to do because of life, they know more than the guys that were actually playing there. Because I, f- I, I feel as if if we were both to explain goalkeeping to someone, you would give a better more precise explanation to a goalkeeper where he can understand it and apply it. Whereas I'm just like, I do it because it feels right. Like, it's just kind of second nature. Like, you know, you feel, you feel it. You'll feel it, dude. That's how I'd explain it to someone. And it doesn't, it doesn't come across as very knowledgeable or smart. (laughs) But yeah, first thing I I thought when I saw you and I started working with you, like, okay, this guy's only five, four, five, six years older than I am. And as we trained and as we worked together, I saw you just speak about goalkeeping and express yourself and tell, like hone in on little details and like things that I can apply in my game that would possibly make me better. And I kind of just like, oh, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. So I was like, trust it. Whatever he tells you, just try to do it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, I guess it doesn't. (laughs) And the first thing you tell me... um, I start trying to apply it and it started to work. I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm actually making more saves, taking a step back. Cause I was playing like really high for some reason, uh, in the beginning of the season. Then I was playing really low for shot stopping and you saw me just kind of find a nice in between spot where you could cover. And when I did that, I was like, oh wow, this is actually working. Let's see what else he has to say or what else he like thinks. And slowly throughout the season, I, you started like gaining my trust and I was fully trusting in you even like on our last game, you DL from the sideline, like, do, do this. And I'd hear it. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Cause you're seeing it. And I trusted you to that point that I was like, yeah, he's not, he hasn't led me wrong yet. Yeah. We've had so many conversations off, off camera. So I wanted to kind of do this now and kind of like just share what I experienced this year. I think with you, the first few times that I, I worked with you, uh, the mentality is, I want to say damaged goods. Right. But like you, you think of, well, this guy's resume, you stack it up to somebody else. You're like, holy crap. Why is this guy not where he's, where he should be based on the resume? And I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting this guy and he's, you know, played a few games against, against with Orange County last season. We don't know that first few sessions I get you. I was kind of just like, ah, there's some habits there. I don't know if we can break them out of, but let's see what we can do. And then again, you were very like coachable. I, I never had a moment where I told you something and you were just kind of like, no, there's no way I'm doing that. It was always like, okay, can you explain to me why? Okay, I, I, and for me, it's you're put, you're put on the spot and trying to, again, like you're talking about breaking down the position as best you can. I'm trying my best to, not to say sell myself, but like explain to you what I know. And as we progressed, I had such a, I put training on such a pedestal and I was like, if this person doesn't look good in training, how can I trust them in a game? And then there was moments in training where it was like, damn, okay, he's looking good. And then obviously we played you in the first game and and maybe if you don't remember, but like FC Tucson and you had a, but no, but like the first 60, 70 minutes, dude, you, the pa- your passing was ridiculous. Putting it on the front foot, putting it into space, putting it on the person's chest, putting it on their back foot, which I was like, wow, that's a, that's a skill. I didn't think I needed to coach, but that's, that's incredible. And then you make a save on free kick that was top corner. And again, people who are listening, I'll probably put the video on top of this, but you made that. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm starting to become a believer. <laughs> and then, and you know, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm the impression or the, yeah, the first impressions plus the resume plus what I'm, what I'm seeing 
plus what I saw in training. And then obviously we remember what happens. The, the cross comes in. The lights may have been a little bit too low. They were flashing. You, I fully blame those lights. <laughs> fully blame those lights. You drop a cross and they score. And we lose the game. But I remember thinking, I'm like, damn, we got something here. And then I was worried to me personally. was like, are we going to lose him after that mistake? What is, what's going to happen? Because I, I didn't know you on a personal level just yet. And then it just started seeing, like, even after the game, you called the whole group in. And you were like, guys, like, I'm sorry I made the mistake. But at the same time, you guys all came to me, picked me up, rallied me. And I, I love you guys and I appreciate you guys for that. And I remember going, damn, okay, not only is he aware of what he's, his skill set is on the field, but off the field as well. I think for you, uh, one of the things we talk about is, like, you want to be a leader, not just on the field, but off the field as well. So those moments to me, I was like, wow, okay, there's something here that, and the personality side. And so I think that to me, it was an early sign that like, we can trust this guy. And then, yeah, I mean, you hit your, your bonus for shutouts this season. So you play 21 games and obviously that was the first game you played. It kind of catapulted you into that situation and back to the situation with, you know, with LAFC and our partnership with them, we needed to make those decisions. And we early on said, look, Abraham, we don't know what was promised to you, but this is the situation at hand. You guys will have uh, your bulk of games. And then after those games, we'll decide. So for you, based on with you know, say with Tomas, three games for him, then three games for you, then it was kind of just back and forth. So coming in where you were and with the mentality of like, yo, I got I to prove myself. I got to start, you know, creating uh, some separation. How do you balance? I need to create separation, but I also can't lose my identity. Uh, I've always been very big, and I think most goalkeepers and most people are, or I think most goalkeepers that I've met are like very big on their identity and what they bring to the table and their style. Mm -hmm. And I think how I went about it was, for example, that thing that we're always talking about, like shifting my body behind the ball that I had, like I struggle with. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be better in the short period of time, the short period of time that I had, which was a season at something that I know he's like Tomas was fully better than him yet. Um, but I did know that I know where my strengths lie and that being distribution and feet, like playing out of the back, cross taking, I think I am a decent shot stopper. I tried to put separation within what I'm good at. So if I'm good with my feet and I know I could hold my own against anyone, then I'm going to put as much attention on that and make it known that that is what I'm, that's what I can bring to the table. And that is, you're going to get that every single time. Maybe the cross taking might not be on one day, yeah. you know, Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe the cross taking might not be on. Maybe the shot stopping might be a little, you know, below average. Maybe the legs are heavy. I can't get there or something, but the feet are always going to be there. And I will always be able to create a threat with my feet. I will always be able to get us out of a situation with my feet. And with Tomas, I think we were both very even. I think he has he holds some things over me that are better. He's better than me at, and I think I hold some things that I might be better than him at. But again, that's opinion. Um, something I try to do is if someone's that close to me in level, because I feel like it was we were very equal in that. Sure. I try to bring in more personality. I try to bring in more of a presence, um, a leadership role, and kind of take care of the younger guys, protect the younger guys, help them and try to build somewhat of a family within the team. Yeah. And where they look at me and they say, oh, yeah, that guy, we, we could trust him. That guy is uh, an old head almost. 
So you gain a little At 24, bit. which is crazy. <laughs> I feel old, man. I feel so old. <laughs> I think that, uh, no, you make, you make a good point. I think that's where a lot of people can kind of get lost in a goalkeeper, uh, I guess, competition. Where do I see myself creating separation? Whether it's your own personal preference of how you see yourself playing and your identity as a player, but also what the team needs. I think trying to balance those two of, yeah, okay, the team maybe doesn't need somebody to be an incredible cross taker, but I am. But at the same time, I can't try and force to show that. And I've told a story before on a, a podcast that I did of uh, when I was younger, trying to get scouted by UCLA, Stanford and all that. We had our academy showcase. Coaches came to watch. And I told myself, I need to be a hero today. I need to come out for every ball. I need to show that I have these skill sets that they've, you know, they've uh, scouted about me. And the, the game didn't offer that. Like the game didn't ask me to come out for crosses, but I did. I look like a fool. But again, it's that, that's the idea, right, of like playing within your own strengths, but at the same time coupling what the team needs and then saying, okay, I can insert my strength here. I can insert my strength there. And again, we had center backs this season where, you know, Lada, for example, playing on his left foot, playing on the left side is difficult. So you being that outlet, and we discussed it later in the season about like, there were some games where I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, these passes are incredible. I mean, I can't even coach this. I'm, I'm not going to take credit for it. But there were moments where you were, I think, forcing the issue. And I think that was where you have a strength and we've seen how good it is for the team. But then you were trying to force it. So like in that situation, were you aware of like, man, I'm trying to do too much? In those games, because I remember it was in between breaks or in between. Uh, yeah, it was. I played a few games and I got pulled yes, yes. and then I came back. I know a lot of goalkeepers understand this is when you're on a streak and we had just came off of a streak that I, we had won a lot of games. We had beaten San Diego. Um, we had beaten like Phoenix, OC. We were like on a good run. We had four wins and I get pulled. I feel like it affects rhythm. And for goalkeepers, just I think being in rhythm is one of the most important things and just having consistent minutes. And I think that match or those couple matches was I knew I was forcing it because I felt like I had been gone so long that I had to re-show what I was capable of. And even though I was aware of it, I yeah. still was like, nope, keep trying it. And I was just being a little stubborn until you pulled me off to the side. One, I think the second game, and you're like, dude, relax. Just play how you know how to play. Do what you can do and don't try to be the hero. Like, we already know what you offer. And that kind of just settled me. I was like, oh, okay, I don't have to reprove that I'm yeah. good. I think that's a difficult part of, of goalkeeping in general in any, any position, I think, in any sport. As soon as you hold yourself to a certain standard and you try to, if you like fall off that standard or you know you get a situation where you're rotating games, you want to showcase why you should not have been pulled, if that's the right phrase. But it's like you always want to show the coach within like a play or two of like, this is what I can do. Just I'm just here to remind you of what we can do. But it's almost like it can backfire. Because again, in situations of like, you were doing it so naturally and it came to you so naturally because you had a good string of games and there's momentum there. And then as soon as you don't have that momentum, you want to get back to that feeling of the high. And it's so hard to res resist the temptation of doing it, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And I think that comes with years and maturity and games. And I think that's something that I kind of learned this year because even this last, um, during the off season, the the little friendlies that we had against uh, Galaxy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more nervous for those games. And I was playing with guys that were way younger than me. They were like 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. And 
playing with them, I was a lot more nervous than I was for like USL games because I felt the need to be better. Yeah. Because there's an expectation. There's an expectation like, okay, these guys are young. You can't mess up. You're, you're old. You have to show that you're better. Yeah. And by not trying to show that you're better and just doing what you have to do, you show that you're, you show why you're at the level you are at. Comes more natural. Yeah. 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 So I think I learned that this year. Well, before you had, I guess, all this perspective, and I'd say you're 24, but just having good conversations with you and even seeing you in the, the low moments of your, you know, either we're pulling you and you're not playing for a few games, you're, you're on the bus and you're having to travel to games you're not going to play. Um, even the days where we spend a lot of time in Vegas and we have training sessions and like the day off, you're coming to me and saying, look, dude, I need to work. Like I need to get training in so I'm fit so that I see my game in a few weeks or in a week or two and I'm ready to go. And I always felt like you never took a day off and maybe better for worse for your body because sometimes I think we need some time off. But I think you never took a day off. There was all that, I guess, um, there was pressure for you to wanting to perform and wanting to stay fit. And you have that, I think, old head mentality of like, I've seen what, what can happen if I take my foot off the gas. But so I guess before all of this maturity, all of this perspective, all of this self-awareness, you were a young goalkeeper, grew up here in Pasadena, and then you played for the Galaxy Academy. Ruben is your goalkeeper coach? Ruben Messina. Yeah. Shout Ruben, out to what did he open your eyes to in terms of goalkeeping at a young age that you said, wow, okay, like, I, I see a future in this? Yeah, I started training with Ruben when I was like eight. The first time I ever trained with him, I was at uh, Pasadena High School, the brand new turf field. Oh, yeah. um, I had just started being a goalkeeper. And my dad takes me with him and they're like, oh, there's this goalkeeper coach. They say he's really good. He's crazy. And it's pouring rain, just pouring rain. Like I'm getting soaked. Like, And I start diving off of a box and jumping like to take a cross off of a box. And I'm getting worked. Like I've never been worked in my life. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I told my dad when I got home, like, I don't want to go back. Like, that that sucked. That was the hardest thing <laughs> that I've ever had to do in my life. And he's like, okay, cool. We're going back tomorrow. Um, and I just kept going back with him and working. And something that he opened my eyes to, I think, was uh, it doesn't always have to be pretty as long as you save it. As long as you make the save, as long as it doesn't get in the back of the net, as long as you do your job, which is don't get scored on, you're, you're solid. Yeah. And he also reminds me of, have you ever heard of the story of Mike Tyson? When his Mike, Mike Tyson's coach was... Talk to me. Tell me. He would tell him, like, as he was fighting, like, oh, you're the best. Like, you're the most handsome. You're the, you're the greatest of all time. You hit, like, a machine. Like, all these things. He was very much like that. So he would build up his goalkeepers. And even if you didn't have... For example, the technical ability or even the physical ability, you have this crazy confidence that gave you kind of like a pep in your step. A little arrogance, yeah. A little arrogance. And you'd go to the field and that presence, like it does a lot. Like it affects forwards to see a guy that confident, even if, and they've never seen you. They don't know who you are. They don't know if you're good or not. But if you come in with this presence to a game and you make one good save and then you get huge from that, it, it affects. And I think the personality side, I think a lot of it was how I was raised by my dad and how I was brought up by him because the things he would yell at me at the age of eight was insane. <laughs> but I still a great family friend, still have dinner with him from time to time. Like I see him on the holidays, like great guy, great guy. Well, it seems like your dad obviously saw something that 
maybe he couldn't do for you in the sense of what Ruben can do for you and that, whether that's positive uh, feedback, constructive criticism, um, but also too, it's kind of tough when you're, I, I had my dad as a coach at some points and I was just like, dude, that's enough. Like, I don't want to have you here. I don't want to have you at the games because I just, I know for a fact I'm not playing off instinct. I'm playing off fear. And I think uh, having a, a goalkeeper coach or someone who can influence and be that father figure in a sense to take that responsibility away from your dad at a young age as a, as a player. But it's important to have that father figure, that voice that uh, is, is, I think, what we're all trying to accomplish as coaches these days. Um, but then you go from there and you stay with the Galaxy. But then at what point with the U.S. national team and the Mexican national teams, you like, are you realizing, man, okay, I'm starting to have an idea that maybe I'm pretty good at this. I, well, it was interesting because uh, we were never like financially well off. Sure. By no means. Um, we were kind of broke. <laughs> um, so the whole ODP thing, I was never really able to do it because you have to pay for like the trip and this and that. And the one time I go to an ODP tryout, they just said, just go, dude. Like, what's the worst that happened? They tell you that you have to pay to go on a trip or whatnot. Um, I had gotten, you remember those like weekly or like, I think weekly or monthly, something like that, uh, U.S. national team trainings that they'd invite a bunch of kids one night. And yes, play, yes, yes. Warm up. The academy, no? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember that. So I would start getting invited to those because you got invited due to recommendation from coaches. Mm -hmm. So I got recommended. They saw me. They liked me. And then I went to ODP. I did well. ODP said, you don't have to pay for the trip. Like, we'll we'll cover you. Don't worry. Like, we get it financially. Not great. Uh, they take me, we play a kind of NorCal, SoCal, like a bunch of teams come to Oregon and we play a tournament, kind of. Uh, then a few players get selected for the MVP game. I get into the MVP game. Um, I do very well, get called into the national team. And then it slowly starts to progress. And I'm like, wow, like I knew I always wanted to be a pro, but I didn't know that I was actually going to be capable of being like going far in this and that's when I kind of bought into it and I started like putting a little more professionalism at the age around like 12 13 I think wow and would you say like ignorance is bliss at that age you're just kind of like you're failing forward of like no I mean no one's really putting that pressure on my on me right now they're like slowly they don't have any expectations they're just saying hey this is this is an opportunity okay we see you're good here we're good here then as you're progressing level to level maybe obviously more expectation but from an early age not having that expectation just kind of just having fun with it do you feel like you miss that now a little bit or like uh there were moments in your career where you're kind of like, man, I kind of wish I would have had more awareness at that young age to know what I was thinking so I can kind of like get into that mindset again. I actually think ignorance is, like you said, ignorance is blessed. It's probably the best thing you can have as an athlete because you, the world can add all the pressure they want to you. But if you aren't aware of the pressure, there's no real pressure to have. There's no expectations to be held, like upheld. And it makes you play free. It makes you play relaxed. You you perform better when you're in that state of mind of just like, I'm just here to I'm just here to have fun. I'm just here to play. Yeah. And I do wish I could sometimes go back into that mindset of being like, hmm, I'm here to play soccer. Care for carefree. Carefree. I'm here to make a save. That's it. But then again, I would love to have the awareness that I have now at 24. At 16 17 18 if i had this awareness at 16 17 i would have done things fully differently yeah. i would have made way different decisions i would have 
um, had completely different friends. I would have paid a little more attention and to certain people that were trying to give me good advice. And at the time I thought, oh no, you, you're just trying to bring me down because you're criticizing me. It wasn't criticism. It wasn't criticism that I didn't deserve. It was something that it was, they were fully right about. And I was just too arrogant, I guess, or too ignorant to realize that people were trying to help me. And the people that I thought were trying to help me weren't really. Let me ask you this then, because what was the arrogance because? What was the arrogance because? Yeah, like, like because of what? Like it was you're just you're you're being presented these new opportunities, and obviously maybe Ruben had that gave you that idea of self talk, and you're realizing wow how powerful it is. I think, I'm not trying to shoot my father in the foot, but I think it was my dad. Um, as soon as my dad saw that I was able to go like to a pretty high level, and he saw that I was good, he started. There was a change. Like there was a change. He became more arrogant from my from what I what I had did as his son because he was proud. You know, he's just a proud dad, and he started to kind of like nudge me, like, "Yeah, you're better than these kids. Like, you're wit, you're way better than all these kids. Like, you have to prove that, and you have to show that, and like walk with it. Like, you have to know it. There's no one that's better than you. Blah blah blah. And to a point, it's good to have the mentality, but um. In moderation. In moderation. You can't be too confident where it's arrogant and you can't be too humble where you get stepped on, you know? So I think now I'm finding that balance of, I'm confident in my abilities and I know what I can do, but I'm also not so humble that people, I'll let people walk over me and step on me. Yeah. I think that again, having the lessons you have now, I, I, I guess that's the beauty of life is that you can't really go back and, and change anything. And at the same time, too, more experience you have in life, it offers more perspective on maybe, you know, my intentions, my father's intentions may have been good. However, he didn't know how to help me navigate the there's layers to being arrogant. There's layers to being confident. There's layers to having that in your personality. And I think when you present that, it's important to express and explain those layers of like, hey, it's good arrogance. However, once somebody or a superior or a coach tells you that you need to learn and listen like this concept, you need to just drop your ego for a second, absorb it, filter what you like and what you don't like, and then progress. And I think that's where, again, from the coaching side of things, we tried, at least for me, it's like I tried to make sure that the goalkeepers understand that like, I'm not trying to take your arrogance away. I'm not trying to take your cockiness. I want somebody who's going to strut around the field and I know he just make a mistake or he just made a bad pass. And I know for a fact he thinks doesn't stink you know what I mean and I think this season was pretty funny I was watching you and I'm like I don't have to say anything they Steven or Enrico will be like do you think he should have played that pass just to like give it give it one more one more sequence you'll see I have no issues um but yeah that was a few times this season a few times but no but there was yeah but I think that's where the trust uh, develops but obviously your dad and people around you they weren't wrong like you were pretty pretty freaking good and I think I'm watching and I think you downplayed this a lot you never we, we've discussed the world cup and in the u17 world cup in chile but like we didn't really get into it until of course coming into the podcast i did my research i watched every game and you were pretty damn good and i think that again you downplayed it but there were moments in the in that i was like holy crap the same passion that i see when you win a small-sided you know small-sided game you know soccer tennis uh, at the facility or the uh, emotions you have for you know we beat soccer public in the 94th minute you have an incredible save or san diego loyal 94th minute you have an incredible save 
six points right there. And I see that same passion at 17, you making a big save or coming out for a cross in the game. And before actually we get into the World Cup, I want to show you a quick video. And people who are watching, you guys will be able to see this uh, in post. What is young Abraham thinking in this moment right here? Wow, what game was that? This is late. They, they that was the Belgium game. Yeah, the Belgium game. They didn't show too many of the uh, early national anthems, but... What does this video take you back to? Like, what is... I mean, now you're seeing it and... and yeah, man. Um, looking back at it now, that game in particular, I remember that national anthem very clearly because we had just lost to Nigerian semis. The whole team, we were just distraught we were all just in pain we were sad we thought we were gonna get to the final we thought we were the best team in the tournament and then we came up short to nigeria who ended up winning it but i remember that and in my head i just i kept repeating like i just want to go home with a medal i just want to go home with a medal i just want to go home with a medal and we end up losing to belgium uh three two and I actually remember calling my mom and like apologizing for not bringing a medal home. Wow. That one, that one hurt. Yeah, that, those are always good memories. They're they're good memories. Sometimes they hurt a little bit. And there's actually a song that uh, at the end of the tournament we lose three two. We're going home and they play "Stole the Show." Oh wow, Kygo. Kygo stole the show. Even if you listen to the lyrics, like I still listen to it now and it still makes me like emotional because it says. Like, at least we stole the show, or at least we stole the show in the sense of I thought I had a good tournament. I thought I'd, like, stole the show in the sense of that I'd, I had done my part. I had done as best as I could, and I, I put on a good performance. And, yeah, that, that, that tournament was – and I don't try to downplay the tournament. I think I did fairly well, but it's also – to me, I don't like to talk about the World Cups that I, I played – Mostly because I do feel like I fell off since then. I was this prodigy and this and that. And glory days. Glory days. And some people and life kind of just beats you down. And you kind of just hit rock bottom at some point. And at 17, if you're getting beat down by grown adults and directors and um, head coaches and whatnot, it affects you, especially living alone in a different country. It's It's a lot to take. And... It does sometimes make me sad because I think if I would have just had someone, someone there, someone like you or someone that, you know, was a little bit more knowledgeable in the person, the personal aspect to just wrap their arm around me like, hey, man, look, this is this is what's going on. Like, just don't worry. Like, just keep working. Keep your head down. Like, it's all going to be OK. Yeah. And kind of just settling me down. I think I wouldn't have fallen off so far to the point that I was. A second string, for example, at Orange County or um, prior to that at Galaxy 2 and getting cut from there and telling me, like, oh, yeah, we're not interested in you anymore. Um, and I wouldn't have had to, like, build myself up. I think I would have had a more direct line to where I would have liked to go, which is Europe, which I still hope I go there someday. But I also I'm very grateful for those moments. I'm grateful for that adversity because I think today... You could throw anything you want at me and I'll be fine. You could throw coaches trying to break me mentally and trying to direct or trying to blame everything on you and whatnot. And I think I'd be able to hold my own fine. Yeah, I think it's a 
it's important to look at the past a little bit to recognize kind of what you've been through. Uh, I'm not speaking for you, but for myself included, I think anybody is just like you look at your past and you say, wow, like kind of sometimes if you can get to a point where you're laughing at your yourself a little bit, you're like, man, I can't believe that that's what I thought was the right thing to do or the right thing to say, or I can't believe that that was how I used to play. And, and you look at those things and I think it offers um, an opportunity to see how far you've come in life. And I think like you were saying, changing your attitude and maturing on certain aspects of, okay, I can compartmentalize pretty well. You can say whatever you want to me. At the end of the day, I know the work that I put in. I know what I've been through. Um, I know the work it's taken me to dig myself out of that hole. And I think um, it's, it's super important to reflect on it in that sense. For you, after that World Cup, we won't discuss the, obviously, again, you played really well. And there's a lot of opportunities that come with that. And I think you're saying, it's like you're almost, I'm showcasing myself as a player, as a person to show teams like this is a dress rehearsal like i'm ready to be a sponsored athlete or i'm ready to play for your team so i know you went to uh mallorca you went to uh porto too and then what were those experiences like i think uh, we've discussed porto and all that but like there was an opportunity for you to to sign there no yeah um yeah that i think i was also very mismanaged at that age i had an agent i think he made a very poor decisions without consulting with me or my family because after that U17 World Cup I asked I had an invitation or Barcelona reached out and said like we're interested in him coming on trial just for them to like consider me on trial at that age for like the U18 U17s whatever it would have been I think it's a huge like I don't know it's, vote of vote of confidence that you're yeah you're being seen it's like it's it puts a lot of I guess importance to your name and your your status with other teams. If Barcelona is like, oh yeah, like bring him in right after World Cup seventeen, like bring him on trial. Let's see what he has. Like yeah. let's see him closer. Um, he said no. He just straight up told him flat out no. Like he's not gonna go. And then I find out about this after Mallorca, after Porto, and I was all supposed to go to Villarreal for a trial, and he also said no because in his eyes, you're never gonna start at Barcelona. You're never going to start up Villarreal. You're never going to break through the first team. So it's pointless. We need to go to somewhere, some place where you're going to play. But if you go to the Barcelona Academy at 17, you get to their second team. You don't break through the first team because at the time it was Valdez, I think, and Ter Stegen and all like these Claudio Bravo, like these fantastic goalkeepers. And like, yeah, maybe I won't break through. Maybe I can't break through from through the academy. But I can go to another club after playing at La Masia. And be like, yeah, I played at Barcelona. Yeah. Just saying, oh, I played at Barcelona's academy youth level. Like, you get a little bit more respect from other clubs and other clubs take you more seriously. So that didn't happen. I went to Mallorca. Uh, I played. They wanted to offer me a contract. They said, okay, play this last friendly. I play a friendly. I don't do that well. Um, I pulled out some brand new boots that game to play because uh, my boots had ripped the day prior. And they were just these big, chunky, ugly okay. boots. And I didn't play well in them, and it was just, it was bad. Like, it was very bad. So I take off these boots, and I get to go back into the locker, and I toss them on the floor. Like, hey, whoever wants those boots, take them. I don't, I'm never going to see those boots again in my life. And then my agent the next day comes. is like, dude, like, they want us to offer you a contract, but with way less money, almost half. I'm like, why? Like, oh, one of the goalkeepers or one of the kids in the locker when you went in and tossed your shoes said that you threw your shoes and you threw a scene, you caused a scene and you threw your shoes against the wall and you were just uh, theatrical. And I was like, that wasn't that wasn't the case at all. 
I was not theatrical. I tossed him in the middle of the room. I told him, if you guys want the boots, take the boots. I'm not going to use them. Um, and I just left. But I wasn't anywhere near what they're trying to make me seem. So after that... Uh, You're not controlling the narrative anymore. Somebody yeah. else is speaking on your behalf and it's... Yeah, it's not great. So I leave Mallorca and I'm like, all right, well, maybe Porto. Maybe that'll go better. And in Porto, um, I think I went on trial. But when I went on trial, it was kind of just like, oh, yeah, I just let the kid train. It wasn't like they wanted me there. I was uh, tolerated, not wanted. So I was just like, ah, that's not great. And I showed off. I showed pretty well to the point that they moved me up to like the the U20s or something. It was like an age group above me. It then so happened that it just, it wasn't the right fit. They said, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, we don't really want you. Like, thanks, though. Like, thanks for the trial. Thanks for coming out, blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, cool. And... Then I was supposed to go back to Villarreal to, on trial, and Villarreal found out that I had gone to Porto and Mallorca before them, instead of straight to them. And they're like, "Oh, we're Villarreal. You're not going to have us as your third option." And they told us, "Don't come." Wow. So after that, I flew back to LA, and I just didn't have a team. Um, then Pachuca called and said, "Like, hey, like, would you like to come out? Like, we'll offer you a contract. You don't have to come on trial. Like, we'll just come out, check out the facilities, see if you like it." I went there, and I think. Now, looking back at it, this is all in a span of a month, maybe. Looking back at it, I wish I would have been more patient and not just signed straight away with Pachuca for what they offered. Which was, yeah, it was good, but I just don't think it was the best decision for my growth. And obviously, clubs sell you things that don't exist sometimes. In, in the pro world, you know, they make promises, they say things that aren't really true. I'm not saying all teams and all people, but a lot of the time they sell you things that don't ever really happen. And I think that was the case with Pachuca. They sold some things. They told me some things that I was like, oh, that makes this, this, that makes this enticing. Like, I'd love to be here then. And I would come and they never really happened. We see you as somebody who can compete for the number one spot. Is that kind of how they sold it to you? Yeah, they kind of sold it to me like, oh, yeah, like we'd like to develop you in the U20s a little bit more. And you're I think I think you're ready to debut within the year. And then the year is up. I'm like, oh, I think we're, you're ready to debut within six months. And then no. And then six months. And then no. And it just wasn't It wasn't good. It, they kept doing that and pushing me back and pushing me back. And I got frustrated also because at the moment in time, the goalkeeper coach that was there, all due respect to him, like cool, different coach for sure. Um, he, he had his favorites from the first team. He protected his guys. He just didn't really take take to me. He wasn't a huge fan of mine. I uh, don't know what it was. Maybe maybe I just wasn't that good of a goalkeeper in his eyes. And I respect that. But, yeah, uh, I could never really break through as, like, a number two or a number one or even get an opportunity to play. And I don't know if he had anything to do with it. Sometimes I think he did, but at the end of the day, I don't really know. It's tough. I, I again, I when I hear these stories, I, I reflect on it as a, as myself as a coach, and I think that no matter your, for me at least, like no matter your perspective and your perception on the person that you're dealing with, I think the best thing you can do is say, okay, what can I do maybe to get to their heart a little bit or video whatever I can do to create a process to get the best out of this person. Let's go for it. But I, I can imagine at your age. You're, you know, you're being signed to a top club in Mexico. I would say they're one of the top clubs, and you're not not naive, but you're a young kid coming in, and, and you kind of need somebody to kind of say, look, this is where you are in your career, and I'm going to take you to this next step. 
But if somebody's already counting you out, it's a tough pill to swallow. And you're not, you're not dumb. No matter how young you are, body language, uh, human behavior, you have a good sense of if you're wanted or not. Yeah. So like, how are you able to kind of like recognize and become aware of that mental aspect and realize, okay, I need to kind of start developing ways to, to combat this or to find ways not to feel so lonely or not loved, I guess. I think uh, a big thing with that was I started reading more. I started uh, trying to find out who I was more as a man and like what my morals were and what I stood for. And finding that out, I think, helped me reflect on past things and learn from it. Finding out what what I want to be like, who I want to be, how I want to present myself to the world. Discovering what it is to, I think, in my eyes, be a man. Figuring that out, uh, having to figure that out, I think, at a younger age was what helped me combat that loneliness because I, I did feel very lonely in Mexico. Uh, I had my own place, had my own car. I'm 17. I have, I'm living in a house by myself three beds like it's just like there's no point you wake up and the house actually feels cold because there's just no one in there it's just freezing and you're by yourself so now at i think 21 22 23 24 i i found out who i am and that's why now i enjoy being alone i enjoy my alone time and being like out at a golf course playing or being at home by myself drinking some coffee reading a book I think being okay and loving yourself individually and being okay with the person you are is what keeps you from being lonely because at the end of the day, you're born alone and you die alone. And if you're not okay with yourself, you're always going to, there's always going to be a void inside. You're always going to feel like there's something off or there's something missing and you try to fill it with be working out, be drugs, be alcohol, be, be girlfriends, be whatever you you're always just trying to fill a void and it's never going to get filled until you're okay with yourself. It's tough too because you expect people who are in charge of taking care of you, whether it's a coach, whether it's a director, whether it's a general manager. And it's those people who I think are supposed to help you navigate those emotions that you're feeling. I'm like, hey man, I know you know you're not playing. However, let's have this conversation. Of, let's get you a good gym routine. Let's get let's get you things that can kind of take your mind off not playing. So obviously now you're saying you're kind of having to discover those things on your own. Do you feel? Let's kind of fast forward to now. I would say in, in Las Vegas, and and I know there's been moments where some of the young guys, you know, you and I had conversations, and you're like, man, they don't want it. They just don't want. They don't. Do you feel like there has been a more not incentive, but like you're trying to convey the urgency to those guys of like, I've been in your shoes where I have a two year, three year contract and I'm on year one of that contract. And by, by year three, if you're not performing and showing results, the, the stuff you guys are doing now, you can't get away with. Like, is there, have you been feeling that urgency to kind of express that and that kind of where your, your frustrations lie sometimes with the young guys? Yeah, I, I've, dude, there's so much talent. There's, there's so much talent with some of these kids on that team. And, like, I think Jaime, I think Christian, I think Tony, those kids are absolute ballers. Like, absolute ballers with so much potential. And I feel like finding a balance of portraying, like, okay, like, telling them, like, you know what, there has to be some sort of urgency with your game. And, but at the same time, like, each player is different, you know? So I could dig into one of them, and he can respond well. And I could dig into the next guy, and he doesn't respond well. And 
it's something I do want to help. I like helping younger guys. I like teaching them or just sharing, even if it's not teaching, just having a conversation with them and telling them, look, this was my experience. Maybe you can learn something from it. Don't do the same dumb things I did. And knowing what guys to like wrap your arm around and take care of a little bit more and what guys you have to dig into so they respond. It's something that I try to do because there's so much potential with those kids. There's so much talent that they have and they're just so versatile. And like Tony, I think Tony's fantastic. Tony Leon's just a baller. He is a freak of nature for a kid. He's a grown man child. <laughs> he is. He's built like a freight train. He's fast. He's strong. He's technical. He has presence and personality. Sometimes a little too much personality. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you know, he's just, he's a fantastic player. And Christian, same thing, you know. Such good players that I want, I don't want them to have to deal with what I dealt with. I don't want them to have to deal with that. Those mistakes that I did when, I don't know, disagreeing with a coach or, you know, pick and choose your battles with who you have them and when you have them. Because sometimes timing's everything. If you have a fight with... I don't know, uh, a coach the day before a big game and blah, blah, blah. And he, he can set you up to fail, especially like as a goalkeeper, you could get set up to fail by coaches. And I know plenty of coaches that do that on purpose. They'll like, Oh, you know what? Let's throw this guy in, but let's also throw in this guy that, <laughs> you know, they just don't understand each other. They don't play very well together. Yeah. Now you, I, I, it's again, it's, it's pretty obvious when you know, like, Oh wow, you're putting you with, those, that roster shit okay, like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's an interesting roster pick but I, I respect it and just trying to not put yourself in bad situations with people that have control of your future really because yeah. the end of the day i'm just a worker for a team i'm at the end of the day i just same job as the cook same job as the guy that cleans the floor same job as um the strength and conditioning coach we're all just working for someone who has potentially control over your future and how it pans out. Do you have any recollection of like a specific story or a specific experience that you had with a coach or a director or a director, director uh, with somebody when you were just like in the moment you felt I'm, I'm right, like a hundred percent, like you're completely wrong. And then like having time to reflect and maybe some of the lessons you learn from the books that you're reading of like, oh boy. I completely misread that situation. I spoke out of turn. Like, is there anyone that kind of like you go, damn, if I would have done that differently, my life would be different now. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, one of the funnier ones that ended up having in me is the contadora. So the contadora is the lady that would give us our money. She would like sign our checks and hand them to us. And then, she was in charge of all that when I was playing in Mexico. And she was always a grouchy old lady, you know, <laughs> just grouchy old Mexican woman. Um, short, like with the glasses, kind of looked like a pit bull. She was, I always knew she was mean. One day I come in and I'm like, I'm about to get my check. And I'm waiting there. and Some little 15-year-old, U15, U14 kid comes in. And at this time I'm playing with the 20s. I'm only 18, but like I'm with the 20s. And um, I had... I think I had just gotten signed to the first team and I was playing with the twenties, but the little U 15 kid comes in and he drops something. And this lady starts just digging into him and yelling and like absolutely obliterating him. I'm like, Hey, like relax, like chill. Like, and I tell her relax. And I say it in English and she's like, Oh, what do you think? She's, she says this in Spanish. Like, Oh, do you think we're not uh, prepared people here? You don't think we speak Spanish? Oh, we don't, you don't think we speak English. 
well, yes, we speak English here, okay? So you relax. And I was like, hey, like, he's a kid. Like, you don't have to yell at him. Just, like, chill. I was like, no, you chill. And I was like, man. And I yell at this lady. I'm like, man, you're like, I'm not going to deal with you, you crazy old lady. And I walk out. I don't even get my check. Um, and then the next morning, I get called in to the GM, I think. And he's like, hey, Abraham, we heard what you did. Like, you can't be doing that, man. I'm sorry. We're going to have to punish you. We're taking your month's pay. So they find me a full month for yelling at, it wasn't even yelling. I just kind of raised my voice at her and telling her, like, off. And I think I picked the fight when I didn't have to pick a fight. I could have told the kid, like, ah, it's fine. She's just grouchy and just let it be. Like, don't start anything. And I, did, I didn't pick my battle correctly. And I lost a whole month's pay for really nothing because it could have been avoided it could have been avoided the, yeah and i could have had a whole month's pay instead of having to chip into the savings <laughs> you know it's just learning when to talk is a big thing i feel like uh we're not taught as athletes was that one of the moments where you started feeling that the organization and people were seeing you differently or was that still like a minor infraction and you were kind of just like, okay, it is what it is. I'm sorry. And you kind of, you paid your dues and that's it. Or did you feel like people around the club were like, okay, this is okay. We're starting to see something here that we're not really a fan of. And they started digging their heels in a little bit more on, on the narrative that was from that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it started off with a little bit of that and I've always been a person or I think before I had a way shorter fuse. I'd get upset and I'd get mad and I'd just have a very, very short fuse. Um, so uh, that that happened and I feel like that changed a little bit of the perspective of the club with me. And they probably, you know, with good reason. It's like it's a young kid. Um, he has to learn to be more respectful, this and that. But none, not one of them ever came to me face to face. And these are grown men that were managing me. None of them ever came face to face to me and told me like, hey, look, this is what you're doing wrong. There was no bluntness. There was always like, no, you're doing OK. Then you're doing OK. And they just kind of like move around it and no one wanted to be direct. And if someone would have just been direct and told me like, hey, look, dude, like I'm coming to you like because I care about you. Stop acting like this. This isn't OK. Um, You have to realize this, this and this. And they would have helped me instead of just. Brushed it off and brushed it off and like slowly beat me down mentally. I don't think I would have been a bad kid. Like at the end of the day, we all just want to be we want to be good. Of course. No like no one's born and wants to be a bad person or wants to be annoying or wants to be difficult. And just learning how to manage those people when they're going through a hard time or they're going through their teens and there's a bunch of testosterone and puberty and like just all this stuff you know it's it's something that i wish someone would have had a little bit more intelligence or would have handled it a little bit better because you can't expect much from a 17 year old kid when you're giving him that amount of money with that amount of freedom and he doesn't see his parents more than once a year you know it's yeah they don't take in i don't think they took into consideration all the other factors and i think um it's gonna be a tough question for you to answer but do you feel that your play as a goalkeeper at that time warranted them to continue to invest in you on a, on a human level, on a personal level for them to say, you know what, this guy is good enough 
He's playing well enough. We see something in him that he can be the number one and we can sell this guy for a good amount of money that it's worth it for us to step in and start giving him advice on life and on, hey, fix your character. I think um, when it started happening, I think I was in full. I think they should have. I think I was playing fairly well. I think I was showing that at 17, 18, I was very good because I still got called into the national team. I still kept playing. I still kept performing there. I still got to play U20 World Cup while I was with Pachuca. I I got signed to the first team after like six, seven months. Like I, I had shown that I had a very good level. I was just a little, you know, I was a little bit of a pit bull. I was a little bit of bark. Like I, I would bite. I'd be, I was on edge because living alone, you're just on edge. You're kind of like in defense mode all the time. And they, I guess they might have not seen it that way. Maybe they saw like, yeah, you know what? He's a little bit too much to handle for what he's providing or what he's showing. But I guess I'll, I'll never really know that. But it's something that I would have liked, you know, like alternate universes and whatnot. Like I would I would like to think or I'd like to be able to see that alternate universe. Like if someone would have come to me, if someone would have been like a fatherly figure while I was there and see what would have happened there. Like if they would have been able to debut me and they would have been able to sell, sell me to Europe like they did a few players or, you know, it would have been cool to see. Yeah. Have you made peace with that? Okay, there's no way I can find that alternative or alternate reality of of what my life could have been had I received the proper guidance. Have you come to peace with that? Yeah, uh, I came with to peace with that. I think, what like a couple years ago, you know, I just I found myself as like I said, a man as a father as not a father i do not have a kid i have a girlfriend but i don't have a kid uh <laughs> um like as a brother as a sibling um as a son i found where i stand i'm I'm very happy with who i am and how i treat the people around me so yeah i, I came to grips with it and i i'm actually very happy of where i am in life now because i got to play with las vegas i got to do well this season i have some options to continue my career and i couldn't say this exact same thing this time last year i didn't have an option i was thinking of retiring i was working in construction like it wasn't it wasn't as nice as it is now and i also enjoy it because it's been a cool ride like i can't complain about anything i've had such cool experiences at 24 and i've seen so many places and played against so many good players the retiring one, I think, I, again, I heard it on the podcast that you were on and hearing it for the first time was something that was really brand new to me. And it was just such a shock, I think, because I'm, I'm watching you play and I'm seeing, like I've told Mitch, who's our, our general manager for the Las Vegas Lights, I've, I've come to him and I said, the best thing you could have ever done, the best thing you've ever done as a manager is to bring Abraham here. And he's like, okay, but like, why, why do you say that? I'm like, just have you seen him play? Because, you know, obviously we got you in a situation where we were just kind of like, okay, we're going to figure out the situation here with him and we're going to do our best with him and see what happens. And obviously your track record and the experiences. And then, again, just like maybe just recognizing there's no way somebody gets these experiences for no reason. Uh, playing all around the world and having experiences like that. And he's falling to us at 24. There's something there that's missing. And then hearing the retiring part and like seeing you play and everything all kind of coming together. Like, hold like there's actually something here all he needs is a little bit of love and support for me as a coach it's like how i like to be coached was if instinct is where people play their best football 
can we give that player the leverage and the instinct and that that freedom to play without them having those two or three games or a full season under their belt to gain that confidence, if that makes sense. And I was like, I needed to be a believer and I, you, you made me believe. But then as I started watching you play, I was like, holy crap, we, are, we got so lucky that this dude is playing for us and giving us what we need as a goalkeeper, but as a leader. Our young guys, man, like I know we had some some guys even with the first team, they would go and, and do all that stuff. But when they came to us, somebody to bring them in, like a Tony, for example, you're is one of your center backs, so you have somebody you have a little bit more vested in someone like that because you play a goal kick and he's directly gonna screw you over, he can help you out. Yeah. So I think even that aspect I was so surprised. I'm like, wow, not only is he a good player, but also too as a teammate, these young guys can have someone to lean on. Um, and again, hearing your story now, it's making a lot of sense as to the perspective that you can offer. Just seeing it, that was great. But I want to get to this quote very quick. And I think, again, based off of now knowing you were going to retire, now knowing that you went to Hype, you know, Hype Academy, they had a trial, right? Putting yourself low enough on your ego to say, screw this, I'm just trying to play. Forget that, man. I'm just going to show up, and if it works out, it works out. And I think this quote to me is great. It says, people overestimate what they can do in a year but underestimate what they can do in a decade. How do you feel on that, reflecting on your life and reflecting on everything? So I've heard the quote before, and uh, it just makes me... It kind, It's kind of a something that I've lived, I guess, indirectly this whole year. It's I didn't think of the end of the year. I didn't think of the championship. I didn't think of uh, playing well week in, week out, or see what I, I had... I kind of took away all expectations and went at it day by day. And I said, every day, I'm going to try to give the absolute best or the absolute most of myself to this game because I'm playing now on a one-year deal and I don't have any options. I don't have anything else lined up for me. And if this, at 24, if I fail here, I'm done. Like, there's no recovering after 24, having a USL, you know, contract prior not starting, coming here, not starting. If I don't prove myself now, my career is done and I will be done and that's it. So just do every single day, whatever you can. And if you lay every single day a little bit, a little bit, it'll grow. It'll just slowly grow. And next thing you know, you're like, wow, I built this amazing um, season off of just day in and day out and not looking forward, just putting your head down and working. It, it just reminds me of because I've been a pro now for seven years, which is a lot to think about because I, I became a pro when I was 17 and now I'm 24. So I've been a pro for seven years. And in those seven years, I've done so much, but I feel like I've done nothing at the same time. Those first few years with the national team, those first few years in Mexico where I was kind of in the spotlight and the limelight, you feel like you're doing so much and you feel like everything's passing so quickly. And it does pass quickly because now I'm here at 24 and I'm like, wow, I've been able to travel to 50 plus countries. I've been able to play against some of the best top talent in the world. I've, And it wasn't over a course of a year. It was a course of now seven years as a pro. It's, And in my head, I was like, oh, that happened so fast. That, to me, that feels like it happened in a year. And it didn't. It's something that I'm proud to say that I've lived even though maybe I'm not where I wish I would have been at this age. Yeah. 
I'm still very happy because I've met some really cool people along, along the way. Maybe this is a reach, a little bit of a stretch, but I think you picking goalkeeping and with everyone saying, you know, aging like fine wine and goalkeepers become better and better with experience and, you you know, you'll hit your peak until you're 32, 33. With your experiences and everything you just shared there, I think you in, you are in a good position now. You've played yourself into a good position. If things continue to go the way that they are and you have this mentality where nothing can shake me and you guys can yell at me, you guys can say I had a poor performance, but at the end of the day, I've already developed a skill set to combat that and get myself up for any game, for any moment. I think because you are a goalkeeper and because you have we have long shelf life, I'm gonna I want to encourage you keep playing as long as possible because you are influencing a lot of young kids. And I hope you know with your story here, have influencing a lot of uh, young uh, young players. But I think you you have so much to offer in terms of like how you see the game, how you see the world, and and you're very well uh, educated. I would say you articulate your thoughts very well, and I think you do. And I think that's a a very good skill set, and, and somebody uh, would be foolish to not have you in their locker room so i'm hoping the next steps you take are stuff that's going to make you happy in life it's going to give you the proper challenge because i think you've learned so much already that i want to see you at that next level to continue to challenge yourself i want to leave you on one thing you can express it however you want but everything you've learned everything that you've uh, experienced if you can to young players who are listening, maybe they don't have the experiences that you have. They don't. They're not going into World Cups, but they're trying to get to that next level. Maybe as a let's do two things. One as a as a player, okay. things that you learn tactically, technically that you say you guys like these are very very important things that coaches will look for, and maybe they're overlooking in their training habits or their off the field stuff. And then also too from the self awareness side, um, how through your lessons how can you give them just kind of like to something to hone in on from self-awareness okay as a soccer player as a goalkeeper i think something that we overlook all the time is just the foundation just the basics especially as you get older and as you get to the next level you just you forget the basics you forget like okay let's just be safe let's be clean let's be consistent because consistency gives you a career in goalkeeping so if you can focus on and you know your strengths and just be good at those consistently and you don't have to be a 10 you don't have to be casillas in his prime you don't have to be ter Stegen and neuer in their prime you just have to be consistently good and deliver the same package every single game week in and week out and sometimes you give them a 10 sometimes you give them a seven sometimes you give them an eight but you never drop below that bar that they know you can give them i think that's the most important thing because then coaching staffs will start to trust you and teammates will start to trust you and if you're tr if you're trusted by your teammates for some reason when i'm trusted by my teammates i play better because i know that they believe in me and it's not just myself that's believing me it gives you some sort of energy i guess so just being as consistent as you can be with your foundation with your basics i think that's the most important thing for goalkeepers at a young age and i think at any age really and self-awareness to put it short and sweet, just don't have an ego. Check your ego at the door. You're not better than anyone. You're not smarter than anyone. And you don't deserve anything more than anyone else does. If you go in with to life like that and you just realize my hard work will show, my ego doesn't gain me anything. Having 
ego and being arrogant won't gain you anything. And people don't really want to help when you're filled with that kind of energy and that kind of, uh, I guess, entitlement. Because I feel like entitlement is a very big thing within athletes. Like you think you deserve more than you do. And reality is whatever you've been through, other players have also been through it. And some people have been through a lot worse. So just being humble enough to take criticism and open enough to try to apply it, it'll take you a lot further, a lot faster Mm. and with a lot more support. Slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to go. Slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Leib, I I do appreciate it. And I mean, it's, I've wanted to have you on for a while. Um, Share a lot of good memories. Hopefully there's more to come in the future. Uh, Hopefully, you know, with your off season stuff, things, you know, start to kind of work out uh, for you. Um, But uh, thank you very much. And hopefully we can have you on again in the future and and look at this stuff and say, damn, that's where I was at 24. I can't believe I'm 27 now. This is where I'm at. And I do think Europe, I do think sky's the limit. Just keep on trusting and everything you just said on this podcast, just keep on remembering it. And I think that's going to be your staple. It's going to be, you talk about technical foundation. I think this is life foundation for you. And I think your story um, hopefully reaches a lot of young kids because it helps them realize I'm 16, 17. I just got signed maybe to a homegrown or I just got signed or I made varsity, right? Like I made it. And now there's the that entitlement. Don't have that. But a skill set that I will say to finish everything off is find a way to balance your ego with a sense of a uh, student mindset. I'm like, I don't know anything. The smartest person in the room is the person who knows they know nothing. So realize I'm good, I'm legit. However, I need to be a student. And the way you're a student is by leaving your ego at the door. So Abraham, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. And we'll talk soon. See you guys.